Welcome to the Revelation On Demand podcast, the only eschatology podcast that I know of done by amateur theologians that are interested in only what the Bible has to say about the end times. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today as usual by Mr. Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, all things considered, I'd say I'm pretty well. God is good. Um, Prayers go out to you guys out where you're recording in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, we're we're dealing with the smoke from the fires again. Uh, I think the fires aren't aren't raging raging again, but uh because of that that wet spell we had, and it was really nice for a few days because I wasn't having the issues breathing that I normally do, but we're back to full smoke, can't see the Rockies anymore and having trouble breathing, you know. You know something uh I could relate to that, but that's on my account. That's not for yeah, an entire state worth of Coloradoans that, and um, Californians and people from Oregon and Washington that are dealing with a lot of that intensity right now. Yeah, yeah. And my heart goes out to those guys, too, because they, they have a lot on fire, too. You know, and there's a lot of lot more buildings to be destroyed in California and Oregon's forests than here in Colorado. It's still pretty sparsely populated. So uh, we've had some damage is done but most of it's being pushed away from buildings so you know god bless that we we take care of our people out in the woods even here you know yes sir so on that subject because normally we do this little segment called what's going on in the world uh uh, we pretty much jumped right into it with uh with the fires um the only thing i wanted to add about that if you don't mind um jd go ahead is uh so we got something going on and uh we were just informing each other about the details of this not too long ago and um so we don't try to get into politics too heavy um but as of right now like a big uh diversion that's been going on in the world or going on in our country is whether or not climate change attributed to these fires or arsonists did and Okay, so I don't know if I'd wrap my mind around the concept of climate change every time, but are there natural and unnatural causes? I would oh. like to think so, yes. So yeah, in no, Oregon... Yeah, go ahead. In Oregon, there were arsonists, people that set fires to the Oregon fires that were caught, whether it accounts for the entire state or not. What do you think, bro? Uh, I actually heard that I heard about the arsonists, and I also heard in California there was a gender reveal firework that started one of the fires. So I think there's a lot of natural and a lot of unnatural causes to this. I mean, climate change definitely makes it drier and hotter, so that makes it easier for fires to start. But the other thing that I've always been about is that our uh, forest protection, uh, our regulations have were so bad especially in California where they wouldn't allow smaller fires to go so as that dry wood builds up and they they just smother every small fire you know more fuel builds up and then all of a sudden you just have these massive raging fires so i think it's a little bit of you know it's hotter it's drier so yeah the fires start easier but it's also we've not done a good job of taking care of our forests and that has left a lot more fuel on the ground for these fires just to go haywire you know i wouldn't have even thought of that but based off of some of the footage i'm seeing of like as the fires were just starting that makes a heck of a lot of sense 
what yeah, the way you put it, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then for the gender reveal thing, like seriously, a firework. I, I, I never got the gender reveal party thing, but just like a firework. Who came up with that? <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, when there's laws like preventing use of fireworks during every other day of the year, then you know, New Year's and I, I don't even know if um, I don't even know if California with its well, yeah. political bias would even let Californians celebrate the 4th of July, but let's just say they did. Uh, you know, other than like specific holidays that, you know, you can't be using that. And yeah. that makes sense, but yeah. yeah. No, and just like here in Colorado, it's hard to set off fireworks too. And you need, you know, a license for it. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't listen to it, but I could only imagine in California it'd be, much worse because that couple who started that fire are now on the hook for all the damages that fire has caused. So that sucks. And in better news, uh, me and my wife screened a, a new movie for the kids this week and it was uh, uh, Trolls World Tour, which was interesting. And I bring this up because there was actually a little bit of accidental truth in it. And if you watch the whole thing, you get to the end. Uh, spoiler alert, they they do this like genre bending, like all the genres of music come together and sing this, you know, this genre traveling song, which was kind of interesting listening to that. I thought, mm, is could this be, you know, like an echo of what the music could be like in heaven? Because, you know, we have all these people of all different walks of life coming together in heaven and bringing their own musics and cultures and stuff. So could this, could this be a glimpse of what that is. And then there was a lot of messages in that, that were good. I didn't see anything too, you know, problematic for it being a secular movie. Uh, so I thought it was good and we approved it for the kids to watch. So, but it was just that, that end scene, I was seeing all the genres together and they were doing this, this interesting song, you know, and I was thinking, Oh, could that be, something like what we're going to experience in heaven. So that's where that accidental truth came from. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's interesting. I like, I like your input on that. I, I think that we need to be seeing the good in, uh, in just about everything in life, you know, God creates everything. He creates everything. He, he continually does. Yeah. yeah. But and God has created everything for a reason. And, you know, it's just like, you know, hey, uh, he can still speak through any medium, whether whether it is um, on the on the scale of secular or Christian stuff. You really got to find that um, embedded message either way, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, we got to look for the good and everything. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's a trend I've been seeing recently is that secular media is starting to bend towards being more true about stuff and not so much this virtue signal, you know, like, look at me, I'm better than you because I admit all these strange, you know, principles. So uh -huh. with that getting out of the way, we'll go into a recap of last episode, which was uh, the great multitude and the sealed people. And I believe that I called that the uh, God sealing his people. Do you yes. remember? Do you remember what we talked about? I do. So it was a it was it's an interesting take because um, you wouldn't know 
uh, I mean, okay, so basically what we were covering is uh, two things. There was 144,000 people before the final of these great calamities, uh, earth-shattering events, quite literally, that were excluded from, you know, post-rapture, that were excluded from having to deal with these events that would ultimately cause destruction and death among the rest of the population. Um, with that being said, a great multitude were saved out of what is what, what that is called is the tribulation. So, um, and this is even after the fact that um, pretty much all of everyone that had salvation and wanted to go to he- wanted to go to heaven could through the rapture, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, these are the people who were saved from the tribulation that didn't make it in the the first uptaking of people to heaven. These are the people who weren't, you know, saved before tribulation, and then they were saved during it. So they're being taken up right before, you know, God's punishment comes down on the earth. And I, I believe there's another set of people who are taken up to heaven later on, but we'll get to that when we get there. Uh, then... Last episode, we were talking about the Jubilee cycle. Uh, I believe that's what you were talking about when you were talking about the Jews going back to Jerusalem. Yes. Actually, I was. Yeah, so I did some research on that, and uh, that one specifically was talking about the 50-year Jubilee cycle, which started... the. I've got three points that make a 50-year cycle here, but the Balfour Declaration in 1917, when the Jews returned to Israel, this was uh, a British-led spearhead, and they uh, took back Jerusalem and allowed, or not Jerusalem, but they allowed Jews the ability to go, to move back to Israel. Then 50 years later, there's the Six-Day War in 1967, and then this is where the Jews officially control Jerusalem again. And then just a few years ago in 2017, Trump moved the embassy to Jerusalem, signifying this is the the world power recognizing that Jerusalem is the capital of uh, the, the Jewish capital. So this has happened before in the Bible. I don't remember exactly where it is. So following that pattern, I uh, believe that 2060, 2067, if this is, a lot of people think we're in the final uh, Jubilee cycle, this is the last generation, so if it is on the 50-year cycle, it would be 2060 would be the day that Revelation starts, and uh, then 2067 would be the final, you know, recreation of the world, because there's seven years of of tribulation that go on bef- between the uptaking of the righteous and then the final recreation. So that's a lot of what we're reading in Revelation right now is we're we're in that seven year period where uh, you know God is recreating the earth. He's he's pounding the earth and making it malleable so he can recreate it. Um, I would just like to say that yeah, I mean Israel, uh, regardless of who you are in all this, is just something that you should know is the most valuable piece of land on the planet. Whether it was, whether it happens to be to a religious person or not, of the three um, major religions of of that of that region, especially Christianity, Judaism, 
and Islam. Um, it's the most valuable piece of land on the planet because no one wants to get their hands off of it. Yeah, well, all three religions lay claim to it being the promised land, and of course the the Muslims are, are pretty militant and uh, obstinate about giving that up. And of course the Jews want to prove the Christians wrong, and us Christians just want to save everyone, so, you know, we're we're kind of the, the third hanger on there in in uh, Jerusalem. So, but anyways, there's if you go through the Bible, uh all these cycles, there's several different cycles and they start at different points in the Bible. We can go over them some other episode, but there's a 120 year, 70 year and then the 50 year, which is one that I mentioned and they all starting at different points in the Bible end around the year 2000, give or take 5 years or so. So, that's why most scholars believe we are in the final cycle. So whether it is actually 50 years or 70 or 120 years, hard to tell. But uh, another thing is my pastor was talking about this last last weekend, that uh, the second coming of Christ is most likely going to happen on the Feast of Trumpets. And guess what today is? Today is Friday of Rosh Hashanah, I believe is what it's called. And that is the Feast of Trumpets. So if... Jesus Christ is coming this year, and you're listening to this. I'm sorry, <laughs> but if you're listening to this, it, I probably had a chance to actually get this out. Uh, we usually post this on Sunday, so you know uh, we, we made it. So if you're listening yes, to this, I would. I you know what? We'll we'll have to do some. Well, I mean, we might as well get it out as quick as we can, and then you know we'll do the post op post edit in um in heaven. You know. Okay. There you go. That sounds good. <laughs> podcasting from heaven uh. <laughs> which we're totally gonna do anyway yeah yeah anyways shall we get into scripture then if you'd be so kind to read that for us <clears throat> yes sir so this segment is called the seventh seal the trumpets when the lamb broke the seventh seal there was silence in heaven for about half an hour and i saw the seven angels who stand before god and the seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were followed and there followed pearls, peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. The first sounded and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and there were thrown to the earth. And a third of the earth was burnt up, burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel, uh, the second angel sounded, excuse me, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded, 
And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. All right, wonderful. So when we start taking that apart, we start with that science, silence. So just to imagine the, the, the constant you know, worshiping and, and singing and the music that's going on in heaven, and all of a sudden it just stops for about half an hour. This would, this would be just like, an agonizing amount of time. If you ever imagine where you're doing something fun and everything's going great, and all of a sudden there's just a silent pause and awkward silence sort of thing. I think that's what this is kind of saying, you know? So kind of interesting that we have this, this silence after just this, this, you know, worship and praise that's going on. And it's, it's really stands out if you're, if you're reading this all the way through. And we got the seven angels and the seven horns. If you've ever read the book of Enoch, which I hope to go into someday, uh, it's an apocalyptic uh, literature, but it's not uh, canonical to the to the Bible, so it's not you know recognized. But in the book of Enoch, it says there's seven angels. There's Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Uriel, Raguel, Seraquel, and Remiel. And they all have that L in them, which is actually shows up in their Hebrew names as well. And that L comes from the the word Elohim, which means God or gods. It, it can be uh, singular or plural. And it's often referred to angels and spirits and even God himself. And when it's used in the singular, it is the proper, you know, capital G, God word. So that's when it's referring mm-hmm. to God. So it... In Hebrew, is that where we get that from? Yeah, yeah. In Hebrew, they don't make a distinction between all the angels and the spiritual beings because they are on the same realm wavelength as God. So when you see that Elohim pull up, it's it's more just talking about spiritual beings that we don't see here in the physical world. So On the same wavelength, so you mean like, not necessarily if they're on omnipotent, on no, omnipotent. No. Thank you, yeah. uh, and all powerful. No, no, they're, something they're, that could be earth. Yeah, the difference between even you know the the most powerful angels and God is just magnitudes different. So it's not saying that God is lesser because he is the same type as him. It's it's just signifying the difference between us as physical beings and them as spiritual beings. Whereas God is, you know, he's created all of them. So he's greater than all of them. It, it doesn't take away from God to call them the same type 
because it's used as a distinction for us as physical beings. Okay, that that makes perfect sense to me. I was just, yeah, for sure. I didn't know how how well you wanted to clarify on that, but you answered everything that I had a secondary yes to. So okay. don't worry. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the horns that the angels are, are carrying, uh, horns are usually used to sound for war or the assembly of God. So in this in this you know section, it is saying that God is going to war on the earth to bring judgment down for its sins. So we've got you know the horns and then of course as the seventh one is sounded it's kind of you know the assembly of god as well so we'll get into that next chapter though this is just the first four and then we got the golden censer which the angel is using to offer up uh, incense to with the prayers and when our this is not the incense in the censer is not our prayers it is being used as as an offering to make our prayers acceptable and of course if we are in christ if we are in god we are praying for the right things so that offering makes our prayers heard sort of thing and this is this is often also we were talking about the the martyrs who were crying out for revenge this is also where their prayers are being heard and answered as the trumpets are sounded that makes all the more sense to me uh, that okay, because that was my that was one of my first questions. And uh, just to throw this out randomly, right before you brought up the golden censer, I am actually a member of um, a denomination of Christianity that is known as First Assembly of God. Oh, okay. So, uh, do do you where do you guys get that that title from? Or, or do you know? I I don't know if it's first. I, I okay. I I should know, and I do know. It's Assembly of God. It's not First Assembly of God, I don't think, anymore. Um, I think someone was actually messing with me when I was younger when they said it was First Assembly of God. But anyway, we're not going there. Right. Uh, <laughs> where do we get that from? Okay, so pretty much the Assembly of God does stem from what you're talking about, which we're going to read about in the next little while. Uh-huh. Um, because we like to think that modern denominations and refineries and different, whatever, however you want to call it, different tonics of Christianity mm-hmm. that are around nowadays are not as traditional in the sense that we don't have to follow every little nitpicky rule that, let's say, some great ancestor of someone who lived in Italy or Rome, you know, a little over a thousand years ago, just decided to make one day. So, mm. <laughs> you know, we, we try to find like I, like what you said at the, at the beginning of the episode with us being theologians is acknowledging the word of the Bible and taking that for its grain. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I get you. So I was just curious to because you mentioned the assemblies of God. So I was going to probe you on where that came from. On so. which specific one I'm part of? Uh, it's the denomination's name. <laughs> I'll just okay. tell you that. Okay. Well, then as we move on, our favorite topic here is the sevens. And uh, so we have the, we did the three seals. We're in the three, tri- or the, sorry, not three. Oh gosh, I just had a brain fart. Uh, we did the seven seals. We are in the seven trumpets now, and then we will be going on to the seven bowls. And here we come back to this, this, is it in order or is it happening within, 
you know, each section. So the order's hard to tell, and it's hard to, to bring this all together. Because again, John is in heaven seeing this from a point of view where there is no time. So, you know, trying to, to put it in order is, is not easy. So it doesn't matter the order that they're in necessarily, but the importance is, is that there is, you know, seven, seven, seven. You have the trinity of seven again here. And we're just in the middle of this, going through this, seeing how, you know, God's wrath and judgment comes down upon the earth. So when we're talking about the first trumpet, uh, the fire, as we were saying, this is the censer, and then uh, he threw the, the burning coals on the earth, and uh, it burnt we, up all the what, plant all the vegetation life. And, well, yeah. a third of the plant life, but we, we see it, you know, this is God's judgment. This is the, these four trumpets are all ecological damage. This is God disrupting the order he made. So those who trust in the things of the earth and the, the, you know, the, the order of the earth are going to be thrown for a loop here. As we see these four first trumpets, just, you know, rock the earth. So this, this first trumpet is taking out the food, the, you know, a third of the food. And this is just going to level fields and, and, and trees and forests and whatnot. And then, uh, the great mountain that's thrown into the sea, uh, some think this could be, you know, another asteroid or meteorite or something that, you know, falls into the ocean and, and kills just a third of the ocean life. So here's another group of food that's just getting wiped out. And, you know, man's trust in the order of the earth is being disrupted. And we're not sure if John was was seeing, like, the oceans or just the Mediterranean, because in that time, they didn't really know. They knew about the oceans around, but when they referred to the sea, they meant the Mediterranean Sea, because that was the only sea they really knew of. So, Okay, that's, that's a fair perspective. I mean, considering that, um, on what you just corrected me on, which was that, oh, God burnt up a, or burned up a third of the vegetation and plant life on earth it's possible that only a third of the sea or something like that was affected although i feel like some of this is directly implied and like even the witness accounts of john are meant to be taken as they are yeah and like i said we're not sure he just said the sea so he could be referring to the entire you know global oceans system or he could be talking about just the mediterranean uh again we so don't you're talking more specifically okay yeah no, we don't know exactly what he was seeing he's explaining it so we kind of have to leave room for is he talking about the just area that he knew of or is he talking about the entire world because again he didn't know people at that time still thought the earth was flat you know so they didn't know about the entire globe so uh, that's reasonable and then wormwood is most potentially a comet that falls and and again here we go water now water's being disrupted the water's being turned bitter so you can't just go and and drink water like you used to and this water kills people because it's it's dangerous and so this is this is god disrupting the water the first two were disrupting the food and now he's disrupting the water and as we move into the fourth one uh he 
upsets the day-night cycle. So this could be, you know, because of the fires. I mean, I've seen the sun blotted out because of the fire here. So it could very easily, the fires that caused by the first trumpet are now blocking out the sunlight for a third of the day and the starlight and the moonlight for a third of the night. So he's, again, he's disordering the order he brought to the earth to upset people who are, you know, trusting too much in the order of the earth. Mm, okay. I mean, what I, what I love about God here is it's like, okay, you can trust in me and that is literally the only thing you have to do right now yeah. or you can remain stubborn in your ways. Yeah, no, and that's what he's doing. I think this is also, he's he's trying to dislodge as many people from their ways. And of course, he's only going to let people die of this who don't, who are so hardened in their ways that they're just going to obstinately be separated from God for all time. So, but here we have these first four trumpets in this section, and it's just this cataclysmic, pretty much ecological disaster that's being met upon the earth, where it's food, water, and then even the sunlight. So on top of, you know, if a third of the day, that's, you know, eight hours gets blocked out and we have no sunlight or, you know, really reduced sunlight, if it's ash and, and stuff that's, that really harms plant life. They, it, plant life needs sunlight to grow effectively. So if every day, a third of the day is just no light whatsoever, then that's going to suffer the plant life and put even more stress onto humans, not to mention, you know, being so blotted out from the sunlight every day is going to severely affect us psychologically on top of that, if we're still here, you know. So, And Lord knows what happens in that night, too. Yeah. Like, just, just among the, uh, just among whoever or whatever is still out there on, on the grounds of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely we're we're starting to get into the very, the very scary part of of Revelation as we start talking more and more about all the the evils that are going to be met upon the earth. Because as we get into the next section, we'll talk even more about you know the the bulls, which is even more cataclysm. But I think we have the last four trumpets, or at least three, and then of course we might have that pattern again where the seventh trumpet is the start of the seven bulls. Uh, we'll see when we get there. I didn't look at this earlier, but uh, that's it, that's where we are. Interesting so how the, the um, oh yeah, okay. For a minute there, I thought um, that the this section opened up as the seventh trumpet. So yes, the, seven, the seventh seal. So uh, I know this is a little late in the episode to say this, but um, if anyone's a little... Uh, trying to, just trying to catch up from the previous episodes. This is part of that same scroll that um, was being opened in heaven by the Lion of Judah, which John mistook for a lamb. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is this is the this is God's will and testament being carried out. So, the seventh seal gives way to the seventh trumpets. The seven trumpets, not seventh. Sorry. And then the seventh trumpet will give way to the seven bowls. And then at the end of that, we will see recreation, and God's glory brought to earth, and where heaven and earth are now one place. And but that's the that's the good stuff that we'll get into, you know, later on. But 
right now we're right. still slogging through the the damnation and the and the cataclysm that God's judgment wraths upon the earth. So, right, we we've, we've already established some of the parameters and all that. It's just it's interesting to me how this um this was this section from the last book or last chapter was in chronological order, but at the same time the events of the rapture itself are not meant to take place in a timely manner or in a straightforward way. It's it's all spontaneous, which brings up a lot of conspiracy theories about, oh, okay, well, according to the Bible, because if you read it this way, uh, chapter to chapter, it's like they're jumping around a little bit. Maybe we're going to get certain events of the rapture before the actual stuff. And it's, you know, I, I, I'm just like, at the end of the day, just trust in what you see and trust in, in the scripture itself. Maybe yeah. not try to jump to these irrational conclusions that like, okay, so maybe we're getting the Antichrist before the writers are sent upon the earth. Or yeah. what if we get cataclysm, we're all gone, and then it's it there's too much to get involved with that. Um that is my relevance to today. Um for our closing segment usually is uh, what is how is this relevant to today? And I, I I would just like to think that um yeah, try not to get it all mixed up. It's it's confusing at times. I I've still been trying to teach someone close in my life about this, and it's one of those things that you really just got to be, you know, dedicated and definitely get a feel for it. If it's too confusing contextually, if you get a feel for it, it makes a little more sense to you. Yeah, and and I definitely think the the relevance that came out to me today is that. I, I didn't go over too much symbology this time because every study guide I came across said that if you go into the symbology of the disasters, you start just spinning all sorts of theories and stuff like that, which can lead to those kind of weird conspiracy theories. So I think today's lesson should be that when we're reading scripture, we must be really, really careful not to make scripture say more than it's saying. So in today's scripture it's it's mostly agreed upon that this is just explaining what's going on this is what's going to happen when the trumpet starts sounding so it's not it's it's not saying there's there's a few symbols there where it's talking about the prayers but it's mostly just as is telling the story so when you're reading scripture do your best to stay true to the meaning of scripture and uh, maybe do a little bit of study on what it's like to live back in this, this time period and how they might take certain things and don't try and bring an agenda when you're reading scripture, which is what I try to do all the time. I'm, I'm not trying, I do my best to let scripture correct me instead of trying to correct scripture. I, I, I want my beliefs to be, formed by scripture and i hope that others agree with this you know trying to be as biblical as possible so i think today's lesson is let's just read god's word as unbiasedly as possible and, and try and let god speak to us through his word as he meant it to happen so you got anything yeah. else to add um just going based off what you were saying real quick is um that's almost like Telling someone to, you know, just hear me out while I'm trying to convey a thought to you or read the entire thing of what I showed you and you'll get it, mm -hmm. right? 
instead yeah. of jumping to an irrational conclusion or drawing these obscure uh, obscurity. There's a reason why we have obscenity and obscurity. Both of them are just two things that you know that got overdrawn, overblown. Um, not that spiritually the Bible shouldn't influence you because it darn well should. And, you know, in overwhelming ways too. don't yeah. be discouraged by us saying, well, yes, but don't take it too crazy because get as crazy as you want with the Bible. You know, it's our God given right. If you have a love for this, then all power to you. Praise God. Yeah, no. And, and so pretty much, let God speak to you and hear him out before you go making judgments on what the Bible says. So I want to thank you all for listening to Revelation On Demand. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, or maybe even topics for future episodes when we get to those, please send them to revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time.